It's been referred to as Egypt's own Atlantis, the land and priceless archaeology lost when the Aswan High Dam was built and which now lies under Lake Nasser. The dam was opened to great fanfare almost 50 years ago. It did play an important role in the modernization, electrification and industrialization of Egypt, and arguably it prevented famine. But it also submerged the ancestral homeland of over 100,000 Nubians who were relocated hundreds of miles away. In recent years, there have been growing demands and protests by young Nubians and activists for them to be able to return to what's left of their homeland, especially as the government's been selling off some of that land. Nicola Kelly met some of them. You might forget how to speak a language, but nobody ever forgets a song lyric, Fikri tells me, patting his mahogany oud fondly and strumming gently to check the tuning. He cocks his head to the side, moves his right ear close to a stubborn string and twists the peg a fraction. Standing next to him, head bowed shyly, is his son, Shaddy, clutching a well-drummed goatskin tambour. It's my third day in Abu Simbel, a tiny outpost in the heart of what is known locally as Old Nubia in southern Egypt, and this warm family have taken me firmly under their collective wing, inviting me to join them for an evening jam session on the terrace. Fikri, a typically refined Nubian gentleman, allows his sunglasses to slip down his nose and gives the troublesome string one final pluck. A single nod to Shaddy, and they begin. Soft trills and haunting tones drift among us, sending shivers down the back of my neck. Fikri has his eyes closed, foot tapping. He sings a line and then passes it to his son to repeat, the rhythm circular, the volume steadily increasing. It's mesmerising to watch. It sounds almost nostalgic, I murmur, once the tune has settled, still transfixed. Yes, our songs are like an ode to old Nubia, Fikri nods. But our language is becoming like a relic of the past. Unless we can encourage our young people to learn and practice the Nubian language, in five years it will all be gone. The Nubian language was once central to a vibrant civilization living along the banks of the Nile. It was an oral language, but since the arrival of Arabic centuries ago, both Nubian culture and language have been marginalised. It has only survived thanks to its songs, proverbs and poetry. For musicians like Fikri, teaching these songs to young people is the most effective way of saving this ancient language from extinction. But Fikri's got his work cut out for him. Successive Egyptian governments have sought to marginalise Nubians, first banning the teaching of the language and, more recently, beginning to expand the construction of settlements on the remaining Nubian territory. The dispute has lasted more than 50 years, starting with the damming of the Nile under President Nasser that flooded the Nubian villages, forcing tens of thousands to migrate north. Since then, up to five generations of Nubians have lived in Komombo, known locally as New Nubia, an hour's drive north of Aswan. Arriving in Toshka, a settlement in Komombo, first appearances aren't exactly overwhelming. It's little more than a barren wasteland of ramshackle huts and a few bored-looking goats grazing the sparse vegetation. I'm swiftly ushered out of the car and nudged into one of the huts. 
Inside, sitting cross-legged around the walls, are more than 30 Nubian activists. It's this group which organised a mass protest last November, calling for the Nubians' right to return to their original homeland. In the end, it really got to the authorities, Hossam, the protest leader, tells me, a wry smile playing at his lips. They had driven 200 miles in convoy, they told me, blocking the roads from new to old Nubia. I ask why they felt it necessary to take to the streets in protest. When the government sees that we Nubians are all getting along, that we're united, they do everything they can to prevent it, but we won't allow them to break us apart. He asks me to join him as he smokes outside and tells me that the spark that lit the flame for him was the death of his grandfather last year. In his will, Grandfather Hussein had left him two books. The first, a smart, hard-backed anthology of poetry by Sutki, the Shakespeare of Nubia. And the second, his own careful jottings, the stanzas separated by curly lines. Notebook after notebook of handwritten song lyrics and poetry, his grandfather's last effort to record the Nubian language. I gently nudge open the cover of one of these books, careful not to mark this family heirloom. He left it to me as a reminder, Hossam says discreetly. It's his way of telling me I must never let our heritage die out. And it's this that's at the heart of the Nubian protests, that desire to reconnect, to speak their language, and to one day return to the land of their ancestors, fishing for tilapia, harvesting the date palms, and strumming on the oud with musicians like Fikri. Nicola Kelly.